it's really engineering cases. It's not for fun like cats, dogs, as you said before, for the internet. And that's also, if I may make a comment, that differentiates the industrial metaverse from the other metaverse, the commercial one. Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI, Mind Machines and the Great in the Sand. Thanks for tuning in to our geeky podcast to discuss the fascinating field of AI and machine learning, corporate craziness, passion for technology and the role of humans. We are Uli and Abri, your hosts for this episode. Yeah, we are, right? Are we? So we, 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 for this episode, let's restart again with a topic which we had previously, right? About talking about simulation. We talked about digital twin previously, right? And currently there's also somehow a bit of a buzz of an extension of it, is it? I know exactly what you're talking about. The metaverse, right? Quite some hype around it right now. Yeah, especially if you look at crazy consultings, right? They say like uh, it can generate up to five trillion value by 2030. How crazy is that? I guess we should have a talk exactly a bit on the potential and the role maybe also of AI in this whatever the metaverse is, is about, right? Five trillion? That's a terrific number. We should absolutely do that. And guess what? We actually have just the right person here today to dive in with us on this topic. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> so let me introduce you to Theo Papadopoulos, mechanical engin engineer with over 15 years of experience in research and development in the field of simulation and digital twin. He holds the esteemed title of program manager for the company core technology simulation and digital twin and he is the industrial metaverse evangelist with an insatiable passion for innovation. He has collaborated with departments from all across the organization, filed over 10 patents and has been driving initiatives to amplify the visibility of the industrial metaverse. Today, we will explore the role of AI in simulation, the potential the industrial metaverse holds and how it intersects with major trends while addressing risks and fostering collaboration for a successful future. We're excited and hope you are too. So let's kick off the episode right now. Boom. Boom. And Teo, let's start um, the show with a more uncommon question. If you were an AI-powered robot for one day, what tasks or activities would you love to automate in your own life and why? First of all, thank you very much for the invitation. Thank you very much for considering the right person or the expert for the industrial metaverse. Thanks again. Mr. Metaverse. <laughs> Mr. Metaverse, yeah, I hear that quite a lot. <laughs> so to your question, uh, I'm pretty lazy writing texts. So if someone can take over and writing these documents or the documentation of the projects for me, just clicking a button, something can happen like that, that would be great. Or doing presentations because currently... I'm uh, doing a lot of presentations and I have to prepare the slides and the, preparing the slides is fine, but the beautification part, that's really, really taking a lot of my time and it's a really boring task. So if I, if I could do that, automate all these tasks, that would be great. And personally, if somehow the dishes after, uh, or all the stuff after cooking could enter the dishwasher, that would be great automatically because I'm quite <laughs> lazy. That's, my, that's where I suffer in my private life. <laughs> that seems part, partly doable, right? I guess uh, let's, let's tune in on the Generative AI stack episode next time. <laughs> so, Mr. Metaverse, right? Uh, so, um, is Metaverse 2030 still a thing? Do you think we t still talk about that? 
It depends in which metaverse you are referring to. So because here we have to, dif- to have differentiate between different areas. If we speak about metaverse that meta uh, evangelizes, it's a big question mark there. But if we speak about the industry part, I believe, yes. Metaverse is here to stay, still a vision, industrial metaverse, but it's here to stay. And I will still believe we will see a more mature also towards that date you say, because as I said, still a vision, it takes some time to develop all the necessary components. And I think 2030 will be there at the established version where it will be a daily, still a daily word in our work life. And I think we should already pinpoint a date right now for 2030 where we will record a follow-up on this and then... That's uh, a deal. <laughs> There's a deal, that's right. So, but, but a joke aside, so if you dive a bit more deeper in the specs, what the essence of an industrial metaverse, what is this is about for all the audience out there? So, uh, let me start, as I said before, it's still a vision, but for us it's an evolution and not a revolution. What does it mean? It's an evolution of what we are doing today. We as a Siemens, what we are doing is merging the real and the digital world and the industrial metaverse will bring some new characteristics, some new facts like the immersiveness, the collaboration, the real-time collaboration that we don't have still today and uh, the interaction, the, better, the faster interaction between the different stakeholders. And for Siemens, what's industrial metaverse? Let me give you now the definition here. It's about, it's a virtual world where you experience and interact with the digital twin. So digital twin is a key building block there. And how you do that? By visualizing the digital twin in, and gaining insights in photorealistic environments or by interacting with others real-time, doing changes, getting real-time feedback for your actions, simulating, predicting continuously the performance of a product or a process, and finally closing the loop with the real-world data and have a synchronization between the virtual world and the real world. Yeah, but so... Uh, Once again, so that that means we we previously talked about a digital twin and the role of simulation, right? And I understand the like the the bit of the the simulation aspect that we consider to the to the digital twin notion, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So and then the industrial metaverse seems to be about interaction, collaboration, and emergence and persistence. Persistence also. Okay. Can you, can you detangle these these a bit more specific? these concepts. Yes, so in the digital twin, we have, a, let's say we design a new product, we have the geometry on your computer, we have the 3D sketch or the 3D uh, design, but we don't have still the context in the real environment, how it's going to look like when it's going to be later. So we don't have this immersiveness factor, this uh, real context. Or if we go to the interaction, we have now solvers in the engineering world, but they are not fast. So we need faster solvers, which can give us instant feedback. So we change a parameter, we get feedback. That's how it's going to influence your design. So you can take faster decisions and explore bigger design, uh, design, fields of designs. And persistence. So the data are not lost. So it, it reads over the time, continuously stays synchronous and uh, always fed with data, both from engineering side and operation side and evolves over the time. So that's the difference aspect from the digital twin. So it's these characteristics, these new features there that we have. And also the digital metaverse comprises more technologies. Digital twin is one of them, mm-hmm. but we combine this digital twin with other key technologies like connectivity, like AI, of course, and machine learning, which are key part there. That's why we are talking about later, no, I assume. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's black blockchain cybersecurity because now we move to virtual world. So we have we have this trust how we exchange digital assets mm-hmm. between the mm-hmm. companies mm-hmm. and user experience also. That's also a new aspect now because the, the industrial metaverse is a more user-centric mm-hmm. uh, experience than the digital twins where we have more task-oriented tools. 
that's so exciting because the industrial metaverse will then, as a consequence, also influence how UX is, is being done and probably also taught in the future. Like, probably there's like, is there even material there yet? Or are we still like in the exploration phase? Probably, right? Exactly. As, as this vision evolves over the time and the definition also changes a little bit because everything is fluid yet, uh, the, uh, we also determine what user experience we need. We have some first concepts there. We are, as a company, also trying and developing in-house and we're testing them. But I believe that they will evolve over the time. And as I said now, This, the person having the person in the center of our design of our tools in the future, we can drive the democratization of the tools. So we can simplify the use and the extraction of information from broader base of, uh, of people out there. Yeah, and that will be crucial because we have, I just learned recently, we have five generations within Siemens. So um, how can you like make the metaverse the, or the industrial metaverse like accessible to, to all the different um, uh, generations within the company and then uh, UX will play a crucial role. Exactly. That's one major challenge. How we can include as many persons as we can, uh, if possible everyone, mm -hmm. because also you have to consider people with disabilities. We don't have to leave them outside. I mean, uh, people that have color blindness, for example, we speak about photorealistic environments, but how we can engage them in this new world that is coming in our, in this, or people with a hearing problems, how we can enable them to have this immersiveness, this better user experience. That's some of the concepts that we are also, thank God, we have this UX department in Siemens and we're uh, experimenting there, mm -hmm. exploring these new fields. That's a very, very important topic. Um, you just laid the foundation basically and explained to us what the industrial metaverse uh, means or like what's the definition or like how, how we understand it. Um, but now now maybe let's let's move away from the, the vision or from the abstract construct the construct towards like maybe a little bit more practical. So do you see or like what practical applications or use cases come to your mind when you think about the industrial metaverse? And since we're here in an AI podcast, how do you see um, AI will drive innovation there and create value for business and society in the end? Great question. I mean, we have identified several use cases across the product lifecycle from the design to the operation. Let me start from the design phase where we have um, the collaboration, the real-time collaboration among st uh, stakeholders. Today, we still have silo developments. Let's be honest. Everyone works in his field and doesn't communicate with the others. We hope that with the industrial metaverse, these silos will break finally and we have real-time exchange, data exchange and also the interactivity. So as I said before, testing more uh, designs faster. And when it comes to the concept phase in the immersiveness part, here we need experts in the industry to design the scenes, but we don't have artists. I mean, I would be shocked if a company has an artist. Okay, uh, let's exclude automotive because that's uh, like BMW or Mercedes, which are part of there. But I don't think that Siemens, we have an artist who is going to design a 3D scene. And I believe there, for example, AI can help us democratize the generation of 3D scenes of the context, of, for example, plants, environment. We can do that faster. Or when we speak for simulations later, we can speed up the simulations. Uh, we can go later to details about this part. And uh, to the next phase, if we go to virtual testing, uh, where we can use these photorealistic environments to generate static data, train models, and then use them in the real world. One example here is, imagine that we're building a factory and we have AGVs running around the factory later or robots performing tasks. We can train all these components before even building the factory. So we don't have now to build it. We have the photorealistic environment, build it, and be productive from the first day being there in the factory. 
moving there to the operation phase, augmented information to the operators, bringing some more information, supporting him with co-pilots, taking decisions. So an AI here can help us create these assistants and um, bringing the knowledge from different sources, help the, the operator take better decisions, even going I mean, to recyclability. I mean, just predicting very, very, I mean, the last phase, but we have to consider very early. So AI can help us. Is going to be recyclable? How are we going to assemble that or not? So all this stuff can help us um, create added value for our customers and for the society. Just to name a few examples. I can speak hours about the, yeah, <laughs> about the case. I'm very passionate about so, the topic. So that means creating an industrial metaverse is super easy. Fast forward, right? Um, <laughs> so is, is, there, is there an SDK uh, hanging around there for, for building that? So, but in joke aside, so, uh, you know, what, what kind of risk or what kind of challenges do you see, you know, when, when starting on the industrial metaverse journey, right? Um, and how do we make sure that these kinds of aspects have a positive impact, right? Do you see any risk? Is that... Uh, many risks. It's many not risks. easy. It's okay. not a piece of cake. If it was, we have already out there the first version, but as I said, it's still a vision. So have some fragments. So when it comes to risks, risks we can... Many people say that the metaverse in general is the next evolution of the internet. So we can identify already the first risks here, like back then with the internet, when the internet entered our lives, where we have different approaches. And this slowed down the, the adoption of the internet. At the end, everything converts, but it took some time. And I see here the same risk for metaverse, that different companies follow different approaches and they don't convert together to create one common source for interoperability. So that's very important, and that's one major risk. Another risk to the interoperability in the industry, especially, is we have so many standards. The standards were developed for a specific purpose, for a specific use case, and they have a reason for existing, but we have too many of them, and they don't communicate to each other. We must find a way, because when we speak about metaverse, industrial metaverse, it's about, as I said before, real-time data, connecting different sources, so that's another bigger risk here, how we can ensure that we bring all the data together and we can exchange information among them. And not only within one company, but with multiple companies. Mm. It would be great if our customers had only Siemens products, but not, that's not the reality. Mm. So we must also learn to be open. That's mm. also for all the companies, that's another risk, how we be open so everyone can exchange information between the different tools. And how to be positive. Uh, I mean, in the industry, because everything is um, driven by customer value, I don't see bigger threats there, for example, like privacy issues or uh, something like that because they're already handled or how the data are exchanged. Mm. There I see a bigger risk only in um, IP, right? How we exchange and we protect ourselves, mm -hmm. still not solution there. Several concepts under development, but there I see also risk how we can ensure that the IP is protected. I have heard many solutions like NFTs, for example, mm. but NFTs can be copied. NFTs just ensure who the owner is, not that you cannot copy, for example, a design. Mm. And that's some of the risk also there coming with the metaverse. But I'm optimistic that because everything is value-driven and from the customers, that we can easily avoid the negative aspects. So digital identities, IP regulation, these exactly. kinds of are the more the aspects than the actual tech technology. Possible, exactly, right? exactly. Mm -hmm. And most of these parts are already today handled or are being handled from the Data Act from the European Union, for example, AI things. And somehow they are already taking steps. And because metaverse is um, an industrial metaverse, it's a fusion of different technologies. I don't see necessarily uh, the demand for new uh, measures there. So it will evolve over the time as we progress and we have new uh, insights. 
But for now, I don't see bigger threats when it comes to technology. So if you, if you look then, so if you compare it to the internet, so yes. internet came and basically in the first phase of the internet, this is, was for cats, image of cats, and adult content, right? <laughs> so like the uh, innovation driver. So what is the pendant nowadays in industrial metaverse? What's the driving content or what's the driving assets, you know, that are being used there? Uh, if you look on the market, maybe also broader, right? So um, if you see nowadays there are several companies addressing the industrial metaverse mm. where were perhaps the first one as a company last year mm. and uh, the most use cases driven are now for shop floor optimization. It's about factories. When it comes to industrial metaverse, how we can optimize the production process and uh, also root cause analysis and so on. So that's the mainly driven. And also now we have the first use cases from the product design. So it's really engineering cases. It's not for fun like cats, dogs, as <laughs> you said before, for the internet. So mm -hmm. it's a real industrial use cases you can see out there. Mm -hmm. And that's also, if I may make a comment, that differentiates the industrial metaverse from the other metaverse, from the, what's the, um, the commercial one, let's say, which is uh, meta-evangelize. Because um, if you see there, a couple of months ago, there were several news Uh, on, the, on the newspaper, for example, Meta stopped um, advertising Metaverse to the, um, to the companies because they don't see that, or Disney closed their Metaverse department. I mean, if you see big companies like Disney, you say, what's happening here? When mm -hmm. it added up to Business Insider, beginning of May, having an article, RIP Metaverse, so Metaverse is dead, <laughs> and we managed to do that, but then... Because came Meta after one month, fifth uh, of June, uh, sorry, April, fifth uh, of, Ju of, Ju of June, with the glasses, uh, the Vision Pro, and suddenly Metaverse again became a hype. Now, okay, it was rebranded re as special computing. So there, because you don't see the really added value for the customer, you will see the next uh, years. I expect the ups and downs. Mm. But for the industrial Metaverse, because we are trying to solve real world problems like faster product design, better production, saving resources. I see that we will see faster adoption there over the next mm -hmm. uh, months and years to come. But there, there are parallels to the gaming industry, right? Yes. So because uh, I guess that's a good pulse check from your metaverse versus industrial metaverse. Obviously, there is a difference, and obviously also in value and business value creation. But uh, the gaming industry seems to be a great pulse check for whether the concept of a metaverse, interactive, immersive, collaborative, real time, right, yes. is working, right? Is that exactly. You can see that, as you said, uh, that's perfect example for the gaming industry, mm -hmm. and by far the biggest one. We cannot compare. Mm -hmm. They expect one trillion dollars, some analysts, only from the gaming till 2030. Mm -hmm. And you can see also today in some applications that are close to the metaverse vision, like Roblox, Fortnite, mm -hmm. um, uh, where they have more than 30, 40 million active users daily. So you can see there, because these platforms have managed to do what's also very important, the cross-platform, so we can mm -hmm. reach them with different devices, mm -hmm. real-time play with the others create and share content so you actively participate you're not a passive user there so you mm -hmm. can see the the success and it's there are a lot of things or when it comes to user experience and also models business models where we, we as an industry can learn from the gaming so because that means they are more mature so that means uh, accessing or the, uh, you know somehow measuring success of an industrial metaverse means um, measuring The scale. So in the consumer tech, it's the number of users, 40 million users on, on a certain kind of application. Sure. And for industrial, that then means the number of connected assets interacting with each other. Is that exactly, the size? Exactly. Okay. Connecting okay. assets and stakeholders. Okay. How many people can bring together in the same environment? Mm. Today, we see that the first 
experiences that we are developing have a lot of manual effort. Mm. And it's not so easy to scale. Mm. So we, as you said before, we need the measure of the success will be how we can scale these experiences, mm. how we can make that commodity in the future, make that easier for people to create such experience. Mm bringing million of assets together because a factory mm-hmm. has million of components interacting exchange information showing the dependencies to each other and also how many users we can bring mm-hmm. because there's no limit so we can bring several stakeholders uh, suppliers the management customers everyone in the same environment discussing mm-hmm. about uh, their needs and demands the problems whatever the purpose of a discussion is but is it maybe even even to extend right that would be in the future like rather measuring the number of machines interacting with each other. Do we need a human in, in the metaverse? Of course, you always, you always need the, the, as I said, it's a user-centric, so okay. the human is the All center right. of, yeah. of the industrial metaverse. At the end, the machines can take decisions, but it should be always there a human mm-hmm. who check if the decision makes sense at the end of the day mm-hmm. and controls that everything is uh, stay up to date or is working according to the plan. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that the people will be eliminated with the industrial metaverse. And uh, one other example here, I mean, about elimination of jobs, mm-hmm. we can see here the automotive industry. The factories are highly automated nowadays. I mean, do you see less people working for these automotives? On the contrary, I would say more. Mm-hmm. Different tasks, yes, mm-hmm. but I think the most repetitive and uh, lasting uh, jobs are replaced from automation. So the same could happen with metaverse. Some, some exercises, some tasks that are repetitive will be replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're speaking of the the transformation of jobs as well, or like how the the like technological advances, like in this case especially the metaverse, will influence also the jobs. Are there specific skills or competences that you see that will become more and more important in this evolving landscape, and how could that look like in the end? Totally. I mean, for example, more software. We need more programming as we move to the digital world. We will need more programmers. We are lacking today. I hope here AI can help us <laughs> to, to bridge this gap of lack of experts, for example, here. Uh, we need artists also in the industrial context, as I said before, because now we go to more immersive experience. Someone has to create this experience. And also a user experience itself. People who are trying, thinking how we can create better interaction, more native for people to being there. I think that's the key elements there. Of course, we still continue to need experts, like simulation experts, where they are performing them, preparing the digital twins, testing the digital twins, and so on. So, but I think the focus will shift more to the software world in the future and less to the, uh, to the active, doing some task actively on the factory, for example. So that means from shaping and designing products to actually shaping and designing experiences that we have. Exactly, exactly. That's super interesting. So we will have product experience people in <laughs> on the shop floors, maybe in the future. We were just speaking about people and what's also closely connected to that is the topic of sustainability. And you mentioned earlier like um, that uh, recyclability or like the recycling um, processes uh, can be influenced by the industrial metaverse or also like resource efficiency because we can maybe simulate stuff. Um, how do you envision the industrial metaverse really playing a role to promote environmentally friendly practices and driving more um, like the sustainable future of the industries and maybe you have some some examples there um, 
how maybe also AI plays into that. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe that the industrial metaverse could be a key enabler for the sustainability by keeping the people longer in the virtual world. We save real. Let's start with the basic. We save real world resources. So by trying things virtually, we don't have to build mockups, prototypes. Uh, and so on. Uh, so, and we have seen that first some first uh, use cases we have internally experimented. We can save up to 50% material from the real world just by keeping the people more in the virtual world. That by saying keeping the people in the virtual world, it's not like the Ready Player Me one people wearing the VR glasses on the couch. I don't want that stuff. <laughs> no, it's not about that. But it's about being also behind the computer, a PC, or your tablet and trying stuff. It's not only about VR. Be isolated. Interaction between people is very important also in the metaverse so that people meet. And another thing is um, for sustainability is moving to the operation phase. Uh, we have seen that by optimizing the processes real-time continuously by evaluating several parameters, we can save up to 40% energy in some fields in the production lines and also 20% better uh, usage of our machines, so higher efficiency, 20% higher efficiency of the production lines. So if you count all together, you can see what's a bigger impact, what's big impact can have the industrial metaverse on this industrial world the next years to come. And uh, uh, when it comes to AI uh, to support us, it's, I mean, this operational phase to take the right decisions because the human cannot consider all the different parameters, but having trained models for us, uh, take considering different aspects or executing several scenarios in the back end, uh, just giving us an answer and help us achieve these goals. So let's double-click, as someone would say, right, on a bit of the industrial metaverse. Let's say uh, if we look in this box of what is perceived as industrial metaverse, then it it is composed of different technologies. And, you know, AI, IoT, blockchain, and blah, 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 stuff like that. Can you help us a bit of structuring, you know, what technologies are in there (laughs) and what is the role of this technology in this box of metaverse? Let me start first with the digital twin. As I said, it's a key building block, mm-hmm. creating the replicas, the virtual representation of the different objects in the virtual world. Uh, then AI, of course. AI help us many aspects, speeding up simulations, taking decisions, assistance, uh, uh, training models. So it's, f- a, it's a, a lot of uh, fields there where it's applied. Then we have connectivity and edge. Connectivity is how we can transfer this vast amount of data real time from the factory to the cloud where we will shift every, all the its activities in the future. How we can realize that? Because we need very fast speed. We are not there yet where we want. We want even faster networks there. Edge, how we can take decisions directly on the machine, on the factory. That's also very important there. Mm-hmm. Moving now, now to the blockchain and cybersecurity. Blockchain is how we can exchange different assets trusted. How can I trust what I'm buying its original, for example, or smart contracts there. And um, cybersecurity is how I can ensure because we move more and more to the virtual world that mm. the factories are not threat from cyber attacks mm. and that the models are not that we exchange are not manipulated and they're doing performing what they actually were intended to. So that's another aspect. And then it's user experience. And under user experience, uh, it's uh, another aspect is um, this cross-platform. How we can create experiences that can be um, uh, reads from the people from different devices. That's not an easy task to have the same experience, I mean, comparable experience using your tablet, PC, phone, or VR, AR glasses. Mm. Because for industrial metaverse, VR, AR, it's just another entry level in this um, entry in this uh, world, but not a must. That's also another 
difference. So that's the key technologies there that we need for the industrial metaverse, and they're all there. But we have to combine all of them, as you see. It's not that one, that's a digital twin, or just AI, or the combination of these two can be the industrial metaverse. We need all the others also. And if we maybe dive in deeper to the like to simulation and digital twin technologies, how do you see AI like playing into that? Like, which role does AI have to maybe even enhance these technologies in the context of the industrial metaverse? That's a great question because AI now slowly enters the simulation world. It was not so fast, not not so much adopted in this world, but now we have the first uh, use cases, the first examples there. So there are different two aspects there where AI plays a role in the simulation world. One is uh, uh, speeding up the solvers that we're having already today, uh, giving us the faster um, faster uh, uh, results, sacrificing a little bit accuracy, of course, but we can take decisions faster. By approximation? Okay. By, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other thing is um, uh, the assistants, the co-pilots, as we say, helping people executing several tasks. If they are not from this field of expertise, because today... If you want to have a, to use an engineering tool, you have to go a very long training process, weeks, maybe months, and then you can start using efficiently. But having compilers there, we can do faster the onboarding by giving the people some insights or some help to perform the tasks. So that's the two fields where we believe that they, they will make a huge difference AI in the simulation world. And to what you just mentioned, that also democratizes uh, like like the access, like the people can now operate machines that were like super difficult to operate before and now it's way easier to, to learn how to do that. Exactly, exactly. The, with these co-pilots, you can drive the democratization of the engineering world. So having these co-pilots uh, in every task from the simulation to the operation, people have someone standing virtually next to him and helping them uh, getting these decisions. So democratization is very, very important because we have a huge lack of experts in most of the fields nowadays, and we have to reach uh, uh, and we have to uh, reach broader base with our tools. So the people that we have there enable them to perform tasks, other tasks out of their fields, in order to be productive and stay efficient uh, towards the competition. And that does it only for us as a company, but also for our customers. That's another. That's a huge problem out there. Though. Uh, it seems to be a metaverse like a really large thing, right? So, yes. and we are somehow in a world where uh, fast is the new large, right? So, how how do we get faster, right? On the one side, how do we, you know, I guess, you know, how do we thrive ecosystem play in that? And it seems to be that seems to be the core of you know of a metaverse notion because you need to talk and exchange with other, you know, other partners. So how do you cultivate such an innovation ecosystem or innovation scenario, you know, partnerships, let's say, or trusted partnerships in, in a way in order to fuel and accelerate the, the metaverse notion? That's a very valid point because also we as a company believe that no one can realize metaverse, industrial metaverse alone. Mm -hmm. We need partnerships. And because of that, I think that we have already seen some partnerships there establishing their own the market. People have seen that everyone has bring its own strength in order to realize that. I mean, someone can, we as a company, we bring the expertise in the industrial field, also having this unique IT, OT integration and, and experience like industrial AI, simulation digital twin. And that's why we collaborate with NVIDIA where they have the high resolution, the high-end the high graphics. Mm -hmm. So we combine these two expertise to drive together the industrial metaverse. And there are other examples that are out there, several companies also combining their forces. And the, people have, the companies have understand 
that that we we have to collaborate for the industrial metaverse, mm-hmm. and also going to this uh, convergence of in the one uh, let's say next internet in the one industrial metaverse where we have to exchange data. People now have understand that we have to tackle interoperability, so we have to be open. And I see that more and more companies there are trying to be more open, having APIs so they can connect their tools with the others, exchange data. So there is a change of mindset, partially thanks to industrial metaverse the last years, because before it was everyone against all the others. Now we see that the people work together in, to drive the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you just uh, mentioned that um, in the future we will like collaborate more together. Like data will play a big role, and especially like exchanging data, so we can like jointly benefit from that. And now maybe a more critical question: like, do you see any um, like data privacy issues in the future, or how will we deal with that? Like, we now share the data. Whose data is it? Or will the companies even be be open to to do that in the end? Because then maybe they they um, cannibalize on their own uh, profits in the end. I think we have um, tackled a little bit this problem with the cloud transition, where the slowly the companies now are ready to that the data leaving their premises. So moving somewhere where they don't know where it is with the cloud. And because we have this exchange already with this between the companies, let's say the hyperscalers where we send the data and the companies, people have changing the mindset in order to changing data. Still, I said, we have to overcome some issues like the IP protection and the trust trustedness. So we still have a lot of work to do there uh, to be secure when we exchange digital assets, but I don't see big issue uh, so far. And as I said before, uh, European, especially in Europe, European Union already commission already takes the measures towards that direction to uh, uh, d- different technologies to be regulated there. I don't say that it's the best or bad. I don't want to comment. <laughs> <laughs> the content of these regulations, but there are uh, there are some actions there to be regulated, and because it's a combination, as I say, we say once again, of different technologies, we don't need explicitly explicitly new measures there. Uh, they will be uh, from the also from the market uh, indicated okay. there from the industry. And if we take that one step further, because um, you also said like the metaverse or the industrial metaverse is very user centric, so mm-hmm. there will be a lot of like people also in that. And now everything will be digital, so I have a digital footprint everywhere. Uh, what about like the data privacy of the individuals that are part of the industrial metaverse? Do you see any issues there? I mean, that's part also in Europe, that's part uh, for at least of the Data Act, so the Privacy Act also there, so the, how the privacy data are used. But we have to understand that we need also this data in order to create better experience. So we have to know where people are watching or what they are doing, where they're performing a task in order to be able to get insights and design better products, better experiences. So we must find the compromise there where it's our privacy and where it creates added value there, the private data. I don't want the data to create advertisements like some other companies don't want to name them. But we need some insights to bet, have better tools there also and experiences. And do you see any cultural differences? Like, I don't know, here in Germany? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but, in, but in terms of the, the maturity, we're talking about, you know, that API-centric, you know, connectivity, then shop floor connectivity established, right? If, if you look now on the, on the companies in this, in this space, are they mature enough in embracing that at scale already? 
How do you see maybe Europe's, you know, maturity level? If it's one to four, where do you see Europe or China or US or, mm -hmm. you know, overall? Can, can you depict that? And second question on it, you know, if a company now wants to get started, how, how, what is the first step they should do? Contact us, of course. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but uh, no. No advertisement. Yeah. No, no. Uh, no, but it uh, always depends on the size of the company. Okay. So we can see for, for the time being that the big corporates mm -hmm. and some startups are more open to enter this world and collaborate mm -hmm. uh, because they are not afraid of, they don't have this fear. Mm -hmm. But uh, the other field, we have these uh, small medium enterprises, which they still struggle with the digital transformation themselves. So the metaverse is not priority for them. Mm -hmm. So they have first to tackle the digital transformation and then they will start talking. And I see there also there is a lack of expertise because we, have, we need simulation experts. Not all the companies have simulation departments or AI experts. Mm -hmm. So we need also here some time for these small and medium enterprises to have the shift. And uh, when you come to the openness, I mean, to, to collaborate, I believe that in Germany, the people are more conservative when it comes to collaboration when compared to the US or the China market. Mm -hmm. China has everything <laughs> available there. Uh, but when we go to the US, the people are more open there for collaboration compared to Europe. And especially Germany, where, as I said before, it's, we are a little bit conservative here. But do you think we can change that? Like that the people become more open or like gain more trust into what we do as well. As we proceed with this metaverse vision and we, s we see the added value, you can show some examples more tangible as we are doing now. We did some, for example, with Freyr, the collaboration, the battery manufacturer, and the people see more tangible results. What's the real impact? It's not, just, it's not just slides that we are talking about, but the implementation has an added value for your company. Then I believe that over the years, these companies will be convinced and they will be more open for this transition. But we have to do also our homework from our side. So if you look ahead a bit of, and you know, there is a lot of the speed of innovation also in the field of AI, super exciting, right? Are there certain kinds of trends or things in AI which, you, which gets you excited? And where do you see already maybe in the future great potential to be folded in, fueling towards digital twin metaverse universe? Yeah, so as I said before, now we see the first integration of AI and simulations. That's really exciting. We have some new frameworks, for example, physics um, uh, inferred the neural networks, the pins, as the people know, mm -hmm. which will, can help us speed up a lot of the simulations. Mm -hmm. Of course, we need some time for training, mm -hmm. but it can help us faster testing several parameter scenarios. Mm -hmm. That's really exciting. Mm -hmm. Not mature yet, but it's coming the next years. And uh, when we have some surrogate modeling, when again the simulation world, where in the operation phase, we can create, among others, as we say, executable digital twins mm -hmm. and follow real time with simulations what the real machine is doing. That's also exciting things to AI, speeding up from AI there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can get better insights because having a machine, we cannot have sensors all over the place, but having mm -hmm. a simulation, we can get more insights and take better decisions. Mm -hmm. That exciting fields. And also, what's also exciting is ChatGPT and all these technologies that people are spinning around because exactly this technology can enable us to create the co-pilots. Mm -hmm. So by, by using and leveraging our existing knowledge from the experts that are going to retire, so we can capture the knowledge today, we can create co-pilots, assistants, digital companions, how you, you name it, for the future generations. So that's also very exciting for me. And also can create finally presentations on the fly without having to do myself. Mm. <laughs> and the dishwashers, maybe. Mm. Uh, uh, not yet. yet.
maybe if you look back a bit now, so a bit of closing, closing our little session here. So, yes. and if you lo- you've been with Siemens for a bit of a time, right? You have a bit of multiple roles, right? Always for, I guess, you know, passion for hands-on and very tangible, demonstrable aspects, right? Uh, but also a lot about crazy ideas, right? Which a bit of a synonym of you uh, is anyway, you know? If you if you give such suggestions to new joiners or young talents in the space of digital twins, simulation, math, metaverse, right? Um, you know, what, what kind of recommendation would you give them on the way? I would say one sentence, maybe it's quite often told, Stay curious, be bold, but let me explain a little bit. Stay curious. You have to be open to learn among the, your entire life now because it's not that you studied something, you are doing that for the rest of your life. Take me as an example. When I joined Siemens 13 years ago, only with black hair, not the first gray hair, <laughs> uh, I was entered Siemens as expert for coal gasification. Can you imagine now speaking about coal gasification, coal at all? No. But over the years, I I was open myself, learned new things, new uh, new fields, like for example, uh, AR, VR, new technologies, and then AI topics. So I was always uh, curious to learn new stuff and be updated. And reach today, 30 years from a coal guy being the metaverse expert, because I'm as I said before, I'm always um, willing to learn new stuff. That's the first thing. That's the new generation have to learn. And the second is. Be bold and try stuff. So for me, uh, even companies like Siemens, you may say we're not so uh, innovative, but it's not the case. We are very innovative. Uh, and if you see any resistance, just try it. You don't have to start very big at the beginning. You can try, uh, try small, like I did myself with some small demonstrators, proof of concepts, uh, then get the people on board and then you can try and scale. But start small and always try things because just with slides, you cannot promote your ideas. You have to make it tangible. People now are not willing to believe in an idea just by showing them a vision or a slide. They just have to interact with it. That's another advice. Coming back to the experience, right? Yes. <laughs> and um, so it's so crazy, like from the coal gasification guy to the industrial <laughs> metaverse to Mr. Metaverse. And Mr. Metaverse, I um, I have to tell you that we're almost at the end of this session and it's been such a pleasure um, listening to you and like your passion really sparked over here. Um, I'm so excited now to also learn more about this topic. Um, but before we finish off, we want to play our favorite game. It's Uli's favorite game. Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm afraid of Uli's games. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Authentic Autocomplete. So actually, it's like a like ChatGPT before ChatGPT was a thing. Um, but now you're ChatGPT. So let me give you for the closing a couple of sentence starters and you have to finish them. Okay. Are you ready for the final challenge of this day? Let's go. Let's go. AI is? Support, automation, but not holy gray. So it's not the solution for everything. Agree. The industrial metaverse is an evolution of what we are doing today. That came like a shot, like <laughs> like a bullet. Having a growth mindset means embracing a learning attitude. To the point. Siemens is Siemens for me is like a family. Oh. If I could invent one rule in the world for everyone to follow, it would be practice empathy and kindness. Oh, I love it, right? That's a, that's a dear, nice closing. Theo, thanks so much for, for spending time with us here. Actually, we are in physically actually located, co-together here in the Siemens AI Lab at Victor Allianmark. So uh, thanks thanks for having time and sharing a bit of perspective what the future will bring in, in, in our joint industrial metaverse. Thank you very much for the invitation. 
And folks out there, stay bold, committed, and open-minded, right? Uh, connect with Theo on LinkedIn and Twitter, potentially. And we hear us at the next Siemens ALF podcast. Cheers.